Hey everyone, it's Diane. I'm the producer of the Beller Student Ministry Podcast. I'm hopping on before the intro just to let you know that the episode you're about to listen to is a little crazy and a little chaotic. Um, the reason for that is because it was a long day of recording podcasts and some other office things going on. We had some major technical issues. And so even though in a podcast or like recording session, we usually do two to three episodes a day for like an entire month's worth of advance. Um, that was not possible with this particular episode. Um, the episode that we were planning on f- recording did not go through. Something happened. And so it was like, um, we kind of got to drop 10 and punt. So we came up with this idea of whenever life gets crazy, God is still good. And he provides an answer for life's toughest questions. And so to remember this, we're doing this episode called Peyton in the Hot Seat which is where we put Peyton in the hot seat, and I get to ask him whatever I want, and it's recorded for all of time. Now, because of this, that's why the intro and the outro are just a little different, and so I encourage you to sit back and enjoy answers like, what does it mean to worship? What's something interesting in the Bible that's like really surprised you recently? And all kinds of other goodness in this week's episode. Now, back to Peyton. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. Listen, do you have questions? We know the answer. The Beller Student Ministry Podcast exists to equip young followers of Christ to know the Bible, to understand their faith, and to confidently share it with others. Thanks again for tuning in, and now for this week's episode. Where's this coming from? Body oh, my mic's muted! No! Ah. <laughs> okay! <clears throat> We're starting this over. Ready? <laughs> Take six of this show. This is so sad. This is this is hilarious in like a really sad way. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm actually I'm just gonna leave the take six qualms in this episode because that is the kind of mood we're going for today's episode. Today's been a day. What time is it? It is It's lunchtime. only twelve o'clock. It's lunchtime. It's lunchtime. <laughs> So, uh, we're going to do my favorite game, which is Ask Peyton Random Theological Questions. It's my, I love it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. All right. So, my first question, Peyton. <clears throat> How important is having a quiet time or routine for getting to spend time with God is to you? Like, how important is it? Like, do you have a routine? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you decide what do you do in like to get to know God more. That's great. That's, so it's kind of more personal. Um, before I went to seminary school, I had only read. I read the whole New Testament. I don't think I read Revelation, and I read various books of the Old Testament. I hadn't read the entire Bible all the way through. I took a class called Christian Formation, taught by do- by Doctor uh, Christopher Shirley, and, and and that class was a lot of reading. And part of our, one of our assignments was actually to, um, I think it was like, have three hours of silence uh, for one week over various days, um, journal, or um, um, develop a certain uh, trait or quality over your quiet time, something around those lines. And I can just remember thinking, I don't want to do the silent one. I, I got I to gotta talk some at some point. But... So it was during that time I was like, okay, this is actually an assignment for me, so I need to um, 
do it to check off check that off the list. So I just started to uh, read the entire Bible. It was in April that I started, and I read from I think I th- I believe I started in Genesis. I started from Genesis all the way to Revelation from April, and I finished in August at the beginning of the next semester. And I can just remember thinking. How, about how edifying it was. I mean, I read through Chronicles. I read through, um, um, you know, the points in Exodus where it can be kind of tedious. I read through the names, the lineages, all of that stuff, all of the Psalms. And I did that in order and um, because I truly believe that it is the Word of God. And I thought that everything that's in that Bible is in there for a reason. So over time, I made it a point to wake up, drink my coffee, because i got to have my caffeine. I would get my coffee, and I would get my Bible, and I had a big walk-in closet in my seminary, in my apartment. So I'd go in, I'd shut the door, and I would actually sit in my closet, and I propped up two pillows um, right there, and I would pray. And I would pray, and I would read my Bible, and that developed into a, a habit, a healthy habit. It was an everyday thing. I didn't miss. Even on Sunday mornings, I would go and I would do it and I would go to church. And it became something that I looked forward to because it was a point of peace for me, just going into my closet and just talking to the Lord and praying and reading Scripture, reading His Word. He's talking back to me, right, through His Word. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say it's extremely important to have that time together because this world's crazy and you never know what's going to happen, kind of like what we've had today. You always have to be prepared. I've heard it said from an old preacher that the best way to cut apart your time is to give your mornings to the Lord, to give your um, afternoons to people, to the church, to, to, to everyone, and then give your evenings to your significant other. Um, and he said the thing... The best way to start is to give your mornings to the Lord. Obviously, the entire day is the Lord's. Um, but we can get so caught up in the tedious and the, the minuscule that we, if we don't make just a certain amount of time to, to devote to Him and His Word, then we'll get lost and we'll end up going this way or that way. We won't walk the straight and narrow. So I would say I would thank my professor, Dr. Shirley, for making that an assignment because it's turned into something that I still carry with me. That was in um, April 2021, I think, is when I completed the entire Bible. And uh, so, yeah, you you don't have to necessarily read a devotional. You don't have to necessarily have a, a strict routine that you follow just as long as you get in there and you do it. I like to work out, and I've heard it said that if you... It doesn't matter necessarily. Half the battle of going to the gym is just showing up. Just show up. Just do it. Put forth some effort. And then you'll then see results the more that you stick with it. I think the same can be said for your devotional time. So whether you're reading scripture like I was or following a devotional or just praying or being silent for an hour, it doesn't matter. Um, that really did change me. And, and it was... It was really life-changing from August 2020 to April 2021. Um, significant time in my life. So, and it's something I still do today. That's really good. My next question, you mentioned a word I want you to kind of expand on. Um, it's the word edifying. What does that mean? 
edify. Um, I don't know the Webster's Dictionary word of edify or edification, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, it means to to build up. It means to... uh, I said the word in regards to me uh, growing in my relationship with the Lord. Um, You can be edified in any aspect of your life. You know this. Um, The more that you read, you become a better reader. You start to think better. The more that you... um, pray and uh, read the word and um, seek to live out the principles that God has laid out in his word for us, um, the more that you will grow as a believer, the more that you will grow as a disciple, the more that you'll grow, the more you'll grow as a neighbor, as a friend, as um, a husband or a wife. Edification, I think, is along the lines of sanctification. Sanctification, we, we are in the process of being made more and more like Christ every day, every day, until completion when we die and meet the Lord face to face. So edification and sanctification go hand in hand. Um, so th- really there's always room to grow, I think, and uh, there's always room to, I guess you could say, be edified or edify yourself or grow yourself. So um, there's always room for that. That's really cool. Um, next question. What is something that surprises you about the Bible? Just one off Just the top of your head. Something you learned recently. That's a great question. Yeah, I know. I, we are not just, while he thinks about this audience, um, we are just coming up with these questions off the top of our heads because often life happens. Life happens, yeah. Just, not just in offices and things, but like in real life, people can ask you questions that it's okay to be unprepared for. Mm-hmm. And so I'm quizzing Peyton today, even though he's a minister, he's a student minister, he's a great student minister, but sometimes it's okay to just be challenged. You gotta be on your toes bit. sometimes. Yeah. So... I think the miracles, obviously, what was the question was? The question was, what is something about the Bible that surprises you? Surprises you. Um, the miracles themselves obviously surprise me. I mean, think about the Old Testament. Um, God, okay, I found my answer. Okay. It, and it comes from the Old Testament. Obviously, the miracles are great. The, um, the parting of the Red Sea, David killing Goliath, a young shepherd boy with no armor and five smooth stones. You think of Christ resurrecting from the dead. I mean, hello, that surprises me. That's awesome. And kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Um, and, you know, Peter and Paul and the disciples healing people. And um, you talk about Elijah in, in the book of, first, I think it's First Kings or Second Kings, calling down fire from heaven to defeat the prophets of Baal. I mean, all of these miracles in the Bible, they, they, they are definitely noteworthy. In my mind, I've been obsessed with the new photos of deep space that have come out from the Webb telescope. Um, they put this telescope out there, and in the matter of what was it, four hours or something like that, they were able to see into the deepest parts of space that we have, I don't think, ever seen before. And they uncovered this photo of tens of thousands of different galaxies that we didn't even know were there. And I, I just think about the creation of the universe. The way that Moses describes it, the way that the Holy Spirit describes the creation of the universe in ten words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then obviously through chapters two up to three, it goes into uh, the details of that creation. 
which what surprises me the most is twofold the creation of the universe is number one and number two is the simplicity in which god did it and in which it was written about how he did it i mean think about it ten words in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth he said, let there be light. He's speaking. God is an active God. He is a, he is a, as my seminary professor would say, God is a chatterbox. Obviously, he meant that in a nice way. But God speaks. The way that God created was he is, there's a big, big fancy term for it. He created, it's called creation ex nihilo. He created out of nothing. God did not use any prior stuff uh, that was eternal or anything um, that existed along with God to create the universe. No, he spoke it. He spoke it. That's how he spoke. And then you get to the creation, obviously, of the animals and the plants and the waters and the separation and the expanse. Then you get to the creation of human beings. And he formed Adam from the dust of the earth. And the Bible says that he breathed in him the breath of life. God contains the breath of life, and he gave it to Adam. And Adam forms Eve from his rib, and the rest is history, right? Mm -hmm. It's just so simple. It's so simple. And uh, one of my favorite things about, I think I mentioned this in the um, Arguments for God episode, was is, is the, the cosmological argument is one of my favorites. That just means God created the heavens and the earth. He created the universe, and here's how we know. Um, the Hubble telescope back in the, uh, I think it was the 40s or 50s. Excuse me. Cut that out, Diane. I'll stop it eventually. I'm kidding. The Hubble telescope, uh, Edwin Hubble comes, and he, um, I don't know all the details, but um, he points this telescope to the deepest parts of uh, the galaxy that he could see in the deepest parts of space, and he sees this red glow on the outermost edges. I'll put a picture in for those of you watching on YouTube or using the video version of Spotify. Yeah, put it right here. Pow. He, he, he sees this red, what they call radioactive afterglow. And in other words, what these scientists determined was that this was the, these, what they saw in the afterglow were the ramifications of the beginning of the universe. Because what Ed Edwin Hubble determined was that the radioactive afterglow, the universe was expanding. It's getting farther and farther away. Now, Diane's parents are NASA scientists, so I don't, really don't want to mess up what I'm about to say here. So, in other words, uh, you're going to be judged. I will be judged with stricter judgment. By at least your producer. That's right. The radioactive afterglow in the universe, it is expanding. It's getting deeper and deeper. So what I read in my book with, from William Lane Craig, uh, it's called On Guard, an apologetics book. Hubble and his crew determined, what happens if we reverse this? If you turn the expansion of the universe and you play it in reverse, it will come back to a singular point. A singular point of creation. And it doesn't just stop there. Three atheist slash agnostic uh, scientists called uh, they're, they're either Russian or German. It was called the Borg, Guth, and Vilenkin theory of the universe. It's big. Those are just their names. I don't want to get too fancy. Um, but they were able to determine that our universe and any other universe that might exist out there, we know the multiverse is popular. Thank you, Marvel movies. Any other universe out there, including ours, would have had to come to a point where there is, I believe they call it a space-time boundary. In other words, it came into being out of nothing. 
And this was determined by agnostic scientists. These are not Christians that came up with this theory and, and discovered it. They were people who did not believe in the God that we believe in. And I think to myself, the first ten words of the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We are, as a human society, are just now coming to the point and recognizing, okay, there might be some merit to this. And God says it in ten words. In the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. God is, he described, the way that the Holy Spirit describes it through Moses is in simple terms. And uh, I think that is what surprises me the most, is the simplicity of God. Not that it's, that he's easy to understand, but the means that he used to explain something so complex as creation, that really surprises me, and it uh, it's really touching. And, I, and I'm kind of obsessed with it right now. So. Oh, just a bit? Just a bit. Just a bit. Just My a own bit. producers turned her back on me. Almost. <laughs> okay, next question. Um, how important to you is worship music? Like, how does it play, like, a role in your life? Like, do you listen to it only on Sundays, or is it something that you listen to all the time? Is it something you actively seek out? Do you only listen to old stuff, new stuff, what? Great question. So, as far as worship music goes, I know people have their own uh, convictions on this, and if, and, you know, when you do, I, I respect those convictions. You gotta, you got God gave us that for a reason. I know some people don't listen to, um music, as uh, worship music from Elevation or Hillsong or Bethel or, you know, these, these places like that um, because they don't agree with the teaching that they have and so therefore they don't want to support their ministry via the worship that they produce. Um, to me personally, this is my own conviction, that is not something that um, uh, hinders me at all in my worship. I think that uh, I think the, the me- the, a lot of the music that I listen to from groups like them um, have proven to, to me to be very edifying as that uh, word as the word goes but um, so I, I love I, I love uh, worship music I especially like Elevation's new album Lion it's really good and I have a bunch of students who listen to it as well I did not grow up listening to worship music so um, it's it's kind of I, I kind of bounce around I love country music um, I love hip-hop music I love uh, worship music uh, some rock songs, you know, I like all that. So I'll go through spurts where I'll drive in my car and I'll listen to worship and I'll, and I'll feel good and I'll love it. I especially love our worship on Sundays and Wednesdays. But as far as like when I'm in the gym or by myself, um, it's just 50-50 what I'll listen to. I really just put my phone on shuffle and whatever pops up, I'll listen. Mm-hmm. But um, worship music is important, um, you know. There, there was a time in church history where... Uh, the only songs that um, churches wanted to sing were scripture. They didn't want to sing anything else. They only wanted to sing the Psalms and, and sing uh, things of things like that. Worship is important. David, David uh, danced before the Lord. Uh, David was the master psalmist. He wrote the majority of the Psalms. Moses wrote a song. Uh, Mary sang a song or uh, sang a song to the Lord upon. Um, the uh, revelation that she would carry the Son of God. It's called the Magnificat. So uh, worship is very important. Uh, and personally for me, I... Uh, 
is worship only music or can it be anything else? Because, like, I work as not just the producer, but sometimes I'll be taking photos during baptisms yeah. or working in the sound booth or yeah. something. So does that mean because I'm not able to sing along that I can't worship on Sundays? Oh, no. So, like, on Sundays, I'm, I've never been a guy to lift my hands or do anything like that. Um, and I believe that if you do raise your hand and worship or get on your knees or go to the altar, th- those are that's wonderful. Yeah, just to me though, it's that's just how God wired me. I've never been one to do that. Worship. Uh, I've heard it said that love is not a feeling. Uh, the 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 what you reap when you love somebody only comes about whenever you act in love towards them. So as far as worship being only music, I would say no. I would say that you know the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Um, creation cries. Um, to its creator it worships its creator creator and uh, how we act whether it's through this podcast whether it's editing the podcast afterwards um, whether it's taking someone to lunch or, or, or just acting in love towards another person it is worship in the sense that you are obeying the god who told you to do those things and um, your praise is not just it, it is in song, but it's not just in song. It's in how you live. You love God, you better show it. That's what the Bible says. And so I think whenever you show others how you love God, um, it's just a praise to the Father. And uh, I would say it goes far beyond just music. Okay. And our last question of the day, which is going to be a super, super simple one. So... We often talk about in churches how it's important to do things in circles and not just rows. So That was actually the uh, the motto for my church back in Fort Worth, Travis Avenue. Circles more than rows. Right. So could you explain to me why is it important to be part of like small groups, whether it's Sunday school, Bible study, and not just come to the worship services where we um, sing and we preach? That's a great question, and that's actually a huge deal. I've heard it said to me whenever I was playing baseball back in high school that um, the true practice, the true work doesn't come in until after practice. So you go to practice, you work on the details, right? Um, but ultimately, the work that you put in after is, is where the results come. I played shortstop in high school. Um, and I can remember I was a junior, I think, or senior. I was a senior. And I was uh, playing short, and we were at practice. And I had four other guys with me fielding ground balls. Now we sit there and they hit ground balls to the third baseman, shortstop, second baseman, first baseman, third baseman, shortstop, second. So it just goes around and around and around. And if I waited, I, I would go five rounds and just get two ground balls, you know. And if we take infield for 30 minutes, I might get four, three or four ground balls. How, how, how is that going to build me up in order to play defense on the field? So in other words, what I'm saying is if you – you have to put in that extra work. Um, you have to take initiative of your practice, of your spiritual life, in order to grow and to edify yourself, right? Small groups are similar. Um, it's not, I hate to use the word work because it's not work. It's something that we enjoy, and I think work has a more of a negative connotation. But coming to worship on Sundays... It's awesome. We would love more people to come to worship on Sundays. But the small groups that you have on Sunday mornings, Wednesdays, 
when you build that community around you and you start to understand the thoughts of the ones that you sit next to on Sunday mornings and um, what's going on in their lives, you'll begin to learn more, I believe, how to uh, pray for them. You'll learn how to do life together. You will, it will help benefit, and there are tremendous benefits uh, for doing this, although we don't do this ultimately to gain um, anything. More, it's more so to grow in, in Christ. Um, but there are benefits to it. Um, there, are, there are just so many things that play into it. And um, ultimately, just doing life together, loving your neighbor like Christ says to do, um, that is accomplished through small groups. You could come into worship on Sunday and then dip out the side door, not speak to anybody. Um, and that's not the goal. The goal is to love people more and better. And I believe you do that through building uh, fellowship and building relationship. I'm, I'm pretty introverted myself, and it was I had to kind of be pushed out the nest to do things like that. But ultimately, I've reaped profound benefits from it had I not done that before. So I would, I would, I would urge anyone listening right now, um, come to Wednesday nights at Bel Air. Go to Wednesday nights uh, service at the church that you attend. Do those things. Seek out a, a group, a community of believers, and uh, I believe that you will grow tremendously. And uh, I believe many, many areas of your life will be improved. And I believe that your knowledge of the Lord and your love for him will ultimately improve as well. That's all the questions I have for today. Well, I have questions for you now. Okay, I'm next kidding. time. I'm next kidding. Time. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, thanks everybody for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next Friday for the next one. So, peace. What, no prayer? You're not going to pray for us out? That's like, we, nope. had, we had the most awfulest intro. And now you're not even going to give us an outro? That- I'm just going to cut it right here now. I'm so- <laughs> 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 I, I felt like that was just a great, great way to end. Okay, well then I'll cut it there.